Um, so we just need to be cognizant of those things. Um, when you're up on that mountaintop, you know, you have clear perspective of what's going on. Of You have a, a unique way of hearing from God when all distractions are shut out. But understand of what understand what's waiting for you at the bottom. Be prepared for that um, so that you're not derailed. Come on, Noah. Come on. You can teach us. I'll let you teach it. All right, you guys are in Romans chapter 12. So tonight we're going to be looking at preparing to be changed. Okay, so this is when you're at camp, okay, leading up to camp, preparing your heart to be changed, preparing your heart for what God is going to speak to you. And then allowing it to not just be words, but something that actually does something inside of you. All right. And I I was thinking about this the week leading up to it. And I'm like, what verse, what verse talks about us just being, you know, willing vessels, uh, whatever we are, allowing us to be used completely of God. And I kept coming back to Romans 12 verses one and two. So if you guys could follow along verse one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so very familiar passage. You guys probably all memorized this at some point in VBS or early on uh, in the church, if you guys were brought up through the church. Um, But very, very applicable and packed, packed with truths. Um, so we're, we're going to major on some different points, but again, the perspective is at camp and preparing and allowing God to change you. So I want you guys to see, it starts off very specific. Okay. So it says, I beseech you therefore brethren. So right off the top, who do we know that Paul is talking to here? Saved Saved people. Okay. So if you are in here and you know, Jesus Christ, this message is directly to you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, I challenge you to see why not? Why are you putting it off? Why haven't you made that decision yet? The free gift is open to all. Okay? So it's a message to the saved. Okay? So there's three aspects. So it goes on, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? And it goes on through three different aspects of how we should be presenting our bodies to God. All right? So the first one is living sacrifice, which if you read that, that's kind of unique. You know, if you think about it. What's unique about it? it almost seems, it's like jumbo shrimp, right? Yeah, it's like an oxymoron. A living sacrifice, okay? A walking dead man, a living dead man. You know, it's, it's a unique way of looking at it. But you got to think of it spiritually. Think of it practically. And we're going to get to that. Flip over to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. A very unique phrase, though, living sacrifice. And I know there's a, a spiritual answer. You know, my, my flesh is dead, my spirit's alive, but... Think of yourself practically. All right, verse 31. Can I have somebody read verse 31? Jordan. I die daily. So is that telling me that Paul, every morning he dies and Jesus raises him up from the dead? No. What's the death? What's it talking about? I want to ask you guys. Tim. His His flesh. Okay, he dies. He gets rid of that. He kills it every single day. Paul, what Paul wanted to do, okay, what chapter in Romans details the battle that Paul had? Romans chapter 7. It talks about, look, the things that I want to do, I, I, or the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The things that I want to do, I don't do. Every day, Paul had to make, make a decision to die, to get Paul's agenda and throw it on the ground. 
what Paul wanted to do, what he, he strived for. He had to make a conscious decision every single day. And this was coming against the Corinthians right at the end of, of this book. And they got it as you read 2 Corinthians. All right, so he had to die daily. He had to make a choice to get his agenda out of the way. And it's the same thing leading up to camp. What different, I love what Megan said. You know, we, we have a tendency of, okay, I've been to camp last year. I know what to expect this year. Whoa, God's got something completely different in store for you this year. You go into it with preconceived agendas, that's all you're going to get out of it. Wait, just sit back and, and, and allow God be, to be God. Don't have preconceived ideas. Don't have an agenda of how you think camp is going to work out. Let God do whatever he's going to do. Whatever, and even as leaders, it's the same thing. God does a miraculous work in us. I have to be careful of that, of thinking that you, you guys might be a certain way or God's going to use me in a certain way. i got to take my agenda, my thoughts, and i got to kill it, and i got to say, God, whatever you want. Pride aside, I'm not there for glory. I'm not there to feel good. I'm not even really there to have fun, although it's a blast being with you guys. I'm there for God to do a work in me and serve you guys as well. But you got to kill it. We're not going to turn there, but Galatians 2.20. Um, you guys are familiar with that. I am crucified with Christ. Um, recognize the life in us is not us. Okay, it's Jesus. It says the life that I now live through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is inside of us. And think of it as a, as a picture, okay? So Jesus Christ, we can live because of why. Why, why can we live? Why are we alive in God's eyes? What did he do? More specifically. He didn't die. I mean, he died for us, but what did we have to do? Come on, more emotion. What did he do? Come on. Why are we alive? What did he bring back to life? Our spirit. Through what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's inside of us. So he gave us life. So the life that we now live, is it our life? No, it's 100% Jesus Christ who gave us that life. So think of it on a practical example, okay? If somebody off the street, you brought them into your house, and they just start taking all the nice things, they take the nice bed, that would irk me, they start trashing the place, start eating all your food, and they're not thankful. How would that make you feel? They had nothing, and they come in and they get everything. You're like, you know what? You can come in and you, you can make yourself at home. How would that make you feel? Okay, you guys are all... Very nice people. I would be royally ticked. I'd be like, you're getting back out on the street. I ain't dealing with this. How should they react? They, they walk in, they should be like, wow, I don't deserve any of this. Is there any way I can repay you? Is there anything I can do to show my gratitude towards you? We do that on a spiritual level so often. God gave us this life and we wake up and you know what we do? We bust the door down or we're like, it's my life and I'm going to do what I want to do. I have my agenda. I have my mentality. I know what I want out of camp. I know why I'm going to camp. Instead of saying, you know what, Jesus, this is your life that you gave me. I'm going to go to camp with an open mind, and whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to get rid of, whatever you want me to change, it's all yours. You have it. Just interesting when you think about it like that. Flip over to Galatians chapter 5. It's always important to have that mindset of whatever you need, Lord. Whatever you want me to do. He's blessed us with all the riches in the world. On a spiritual sense. Verse 24. I love this verse. Can somebody read that? Sam. 
And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. All right, so in they that are Christ's, so what does that tell you? Saved. Saved, okay. Have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And I love this picture, okay? So this is a picture of being, I'll explain it. So here's, wow. That's, that's terrible. I'm going somewhere with it, okay? So that's you. You. Good night. That is so bad. All right, so we'll say this is Sam. Before he found Christ. Just follow along. So Sam, before he found Christ, he gets saved. We're not going to look at all the verses for this, but Sam gets saved. You know what Jesus Christ comes in and does? Make this look pretty. Uh, well, it's just gonna be the same. Uh, it's just gonna get worse. Look, you get look, <laughs> oh, look, you get skinnier. You're burning my eye holes. Hey, just follow along. Just follow along. You know what he does? He brings him to life and he separates him from that flesh. You guys understand the picture of circumcision? Again, we're not gonna look at that. We're not gonna search it out in the scriptures. His flesh has been circumcised from his spirit. He is separated from that. His flesh, according to the Bible, it's dead. But he still carries it around. No matter how ugly it is. I'm glad. See, it actually made sense I drew it ugly. Okay? He's bringing that dead flesh, those affections, the, the lust thereof. When he got saved, that blue, his flesh was crucified. It died up on the cross. But we still have it with us. So I want to ask you, if you're saved in here, you're carrying around your dead flesh. You can say no to that flesh. Why do we feed it then? This dead filth, this dead desire that we're not in bondage to anymore. Why do we feed it? Why do we try to satisfy it? Our desires, our agendas, that's a word I keep going back to because it's so prevalent nowadays. Why do we feed it? It's similar to like idols in the Old Testament. However, how many of you guys have read... When they worship idols or molten images and stuff, and you're like, how stupid could they be? They're worshiping a calf. Of course that thing's not going not gonna to speak. Of course it's not going to bless them. How dumb do you have to be to do that? How dumb do you have to be to give time to that, to give effort, to try and please that? We do that every single day to our flesh. Our flesh is dead. It died up on the cross when Jesus Christ died up there. But we like to feed it. We like to bring it along and be like, no, come along, come along. And we like to feed the affections, feed the lusts. And God's, God, what God wants for us gets pushed to the side. A living sacrifice. We are f- dead in God's eyes. But we need to be alive unto Jesus Christ. Don't feed what's already dead. Feed what's alive. Letter B. So back to... Um, you know, don't flip back to Romans. So it was a living sacrifice, and then the next one was holy. Present our body as a living sacrifice, and then holy. All right, flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why can I not find 1 Timothy? I know. I don't know why I even say that out loud. I'm in 2 Timothy. Come on. 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right, so somebody tell me, what is holy? Perfect, pure, God himself. Anything else? 
without spot, without blemish. So we are commanded to present our bodies to God holy. So anything that comes against that, anything that prevents us from being holy, it's got to go. It's got to go. There are some tough commitments that have to be made at camp. And unfortunately, a lot of us, we're not willing to make them. Because we like feeding what's dead. We like staying stained and spotted because it feels good. 1 Timothy 6, verse 13. says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth, bringeth to life, all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep his commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So without spot, clean, and unrebukable, you're not needing corrected, until when? What does it say? Until the appearing of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus Christ returns. And the context of this is verses 3 through 12, condemning all the filth that takes place in this world. That we can let into our lives to ruin our daily sacrifice, our holy presentation unto God. It goes back to we always need to remember that we have a choice not to sin. We have a choice to sin. We have a choice not to sin. You know, our conscience, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing. We, we come to a point of decision for everything that we make. Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? We need to strive to be without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is how we ought to strive to present our bodies. When Jesus Christ comes back, what is he going to find you in? Is he going to find your body holy? Or is he going to find you in the middle of sin? Is he going to find you striving for fill in the blank with your name once? We're not going to turn there, but 2 Peter 3.14, it talks about seeing that you look for such things. And then it goes on to say that's how you're able to deny your flesh. You have to have that eternal perspective. You can't get... You can't have success in this world with just Bible knowledge. You have to believe what the Bible says. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. You know, I, I think back, we just got out of Old Testament um, survey in JBI. You have the, the first giving of the law is found in what book? Leviticus. All right, was, were they successful? No. You got the book of Numbers. What are they doing in the book of Numbers? No, they weren't successful. What happened in Deuteronomy? The second giving. What's that law called in Deuteronomy? What's it? What's it? Uh, penned as or the, nicknamed as the law of love. The law of love. <laughs> That's all good. How successful are you when you follow God directly out of duty? Not very successful. No. Are you going to be? holy before God when you're following him out of duty when you're like you know what this is just what my pastor tells me I have to do I'm just going to do it or this is what the Bible says and and I'm just going to do it how successful are you when you obey your parents out of duty how much more successful are you when you obey them out of love your chances of being successful are much greater it's it can be sustainable when you do this out of love when it's a relationship between you and God when it's not a religion it can be so hard to separate the two. Because, I mean, honestly, don't raise your hand, but, I mean, who in here wants to do what's right? We all want to do what's right. We all want to present our bodies wholly unto God. But what is driving you to do that is, gonna, is, is what is going to determine if you're successful or not. 
what your motivation is. And then we're not going to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 3 talks about, and then 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about the witnessing. Um, it talks about Apollos and Paul and the, the work that they put in. But it says, when we hold on to those things that don't add spiritual value at the expense of what does, it has to go. Because you will not grow until you do. And you guys can read that. It can be your homework for next week. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Right smack dab in the middle. talks about when you hold on to those things that don't add spiritual value, when you're holding on to things that take you... And I'm not talking about things that... Deep sins that you're just struggling with. I'm talking about anything that's taken a place over Jesus Christ in your life. If it's not adding spiritual value and you're finding that your walk is struggling because of that, it's got to go. And my challenge to you, if you want to present your body wholly unto God, be ready at camp to make those types of decisions. I've seen complete life change when people are, are, are willing to lay everything at the foot of the cross. And that doesn't mean that just because you're willing to give God everything, that he's going to take everything. But be willing. Be willing to lay it all at the foot of the cross. Because a lot of times, at least I've had it in my life, I struggled. I, I played football. I was pretty much addicted to the sport. I love how it made me feel and just being around and hitting people. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I didn't do really any of it for the glory of God at all but I'll tell you there were moments going into my senior year where I gave some of that where I gave it over to God where I say God I don't I don't know what I'm doing here maybe I should just quit and God in those moments was able to open up doors that I had closed my eyes to God had me in that sport for a reason and unfortunately 98% of the time I blew it I was, too bu- I was too busy focused on how it made me feel. Just because you might get convicted at camp of something you're doing, it might not be because you're doing it, it might be because how you're doing it. But be willing for whatever God has to call you out on. You've got to be willing to give anything and whatever over to God. If it's taken away from your spiritual walk, it's got to go in some capacity or another, or it has to change. Be willing to make those tough decisions. All right, letter C. So living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. So what does God find acceptable? Flip over to Psalm 102. I'll come and do a close here pretty quick. Psalm 102. Can somebody read verse 17? Haley. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. He will regard the prayer of the destitute, the people that are on their knees begging for him to help them. They see their need for him. Okay? That is what God regards. That is what God will not despise. He sees that and he's like, I can work with that. That is acceptable worship. That is acceptable in my sight. So I want to ask you, do you believe that you need God? I mean, do you really need Him to get by each day? It's so easy for us to go through day by day and look back and never talk with God. And if you're making it okay, that's a huge problem. 
That's where I've, in my mind, I'd be like, man, it'd be great, great to win the lottery. Great to get blessed with all these things. But you know what would happen? I'd probably be at a point where I'd be like, yeah, I don't really need God. God uses tough circumstances, and I thank God for some of the tough circumstances, at least over the last couple months with my job, that he's brought me to my knees mentally, physically, spiritually. Because you know what it's done? It's deepened my relationship with him. It's shown my need for him. Think of Job. There's not many people that have been brought to their knees more than Job. And think how close he was. to. I mean, he's having a, he's having a direct conversation with God at the end of it. And God still was like, gird up your loins and get up. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, but we have to have this posture. That's the hard attitude that God sees. That's what is acceptable in God's, heart, in God's eyes. The destitute. When you're at that position, regardless of whatever physical blessings or goodness you have going on around you, you still see your spiritual need for Jesus Christ. That's where I'm not saying if you're, you're rich and you have all these things that you still don't need God. You still need God probably more than somebody who's not rich. It's just a lot harder for your flesh. This flesh feels so much more alive. It feels more alive than spirit because you, you, you have all these things. You're not struggling. You don't see your physical needs, so it's really hard for you to see your spiritual need. Don't ignore the call of God, but that's what's acceptable. John, we're not going to turn there, but John 8, 28 through 29, it's amazing. Jesus says that he pleased God by doing what God taught him. Jesus God in the flesh please God by simply doing what God taught him. So if you know nothing else, read what the Bible says and do what it says. And I'm going to tell you at church camp in about 10 days, God is going to teach you some miraculous things. Do what he tells you to do. God is pleased by that. That's acceptable in his sight. That is somebody that he looks down on and he's like, you know what, I'm pleased with that. That's, a, that's an acceptable sacrifice. And flip over to Hebrews 11. Very familiar verse. This one, I really, I, I've never looked at it in this light, but I think it ties it all together very nicely. So I'm going to read verse 6. Leah. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this verse, but we know the first part very well. Okay, it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, we would all agree with that. If you're not having faith, if you don't believe, and it goes on, if you don't believe who God is, okay, you can't really please somebody if you don't believe who he is. So, okay, so do you have faith and believe in God's reward for diligently seeking him? That is the key that I want to focus on at the end. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you believe that? And the rewards come in all kinds of different measures. But I want to take that thought, okay? So when you diligently seek God, when you present your body as acceptable unto God, he is a rewarder of that. So connect that back to sacrifice. You guys have the definition of sacrifice used as a noun from Webster's 1828. Destruction, surrender, or loss to gain favor or express thanks. 
destruction, surrender, or loss to gain favor or express thanks. There was a lot in that uh, definition. In other words, you're not sacrificing blindly. You're not offering your body up blindly. There's a, there's a motivation. You're looking to please God. Again, it goes back to that relationship aspect. You know, I think of Abraham, probably the greatest example of sacrifice. He offered to God what was most precious to him. But I want you to understand, I'm not talking about Isaac as the sacrifice. Okay, we tend, and, and, it, and he is. But think about what Abraham had to sacrifice to take Isaac up on that mountain. I mean, this is his son. He had to sacrifice his own logic. Because if you read in Hebrews, what did Abraham have faith? What was going to happen to Isaac if he killed him? What was God going to do? Bring him right back to life. He had to sacrifice probably, I don't know if he told anybody about it, but if he would have gotten counsel, they'd been like, you're psychotic. You are off your rocker. He had to sacrifice his desire to fellowship with his son. Abraham had an attitude of looking at God, and he's like, God, I'm, I'm the real deal. Whatever you want, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it. You call me to sacrifice my son, I will do it. Because I know that you're able to bring him up from the dead, and whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. It, it makes me think of in uh, John chapter 1, when Jesus comes upon Nathaniel. And he says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. He was authentic. He was real. Are you real when it comes to your faith? It's easy for us to sit in here and say, You know what, I'm going to go to camp with the attitude of, God, whatever you call me to do, whatever you want me to get rid of, I'll do it. But do you really mean it? Or is there guile inside of you? Do you have Abraham faith? Do you believe that, yeah, it might be painful, it might be hard, but at the end there's fruit? Or do you say those things, but you're like, you know what, I have my own agenda though. God, I'll give you a little bit of this, but you, you can't have this. I'll say you can, but I'm not really going to give it to you. God can't do anything with that. God wants 100% focus. God wants 100% willingness. Are you willing to give it all to God? This is the type of person that God can work with at camp. Somebody who is a living sacrifice, recognizing that you're a walking dead man and that you only have life because of Jesus Christ. Somebody that is holy, you are always in the business of purging everything out of your life that takes you off of that path. And I get it, that's hard. And somebody that is acceptable in his sight, you recognize your need for a savior. You call upon him every single day to give you guidance to, to whatever. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Because that is somebody that he can change and do miraculous things with the camp. Absolutely. All right, and then let's go back to Romans 12. We're going to wrap it up here. Nope, just for you, Jordan. Just for you, man. You're right, it is. It's all a matter of perspective. Gosh, and I'm kicking myself for this one, and I'll tell you why. Because I meant to bring something, and then, well, I didn't, so. Verse 2. 
we're going to look at this in two halves. So there's two parts to this. So you have the how you present yourself, your willingness to say, God, whatever, whenever, and what will happen. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So number two, choosing to be transformed, choosing to be different. So letter A, deny the world control. Okay, so conformed. When you guys think of conformed, what do you think of? What do you guys think of? A shape? All right, I like it. It's like Play-Doh, and that's where I'm kicking myself because I had Play-Doh in my mind, and then I didn't grab it. So Play-Doh, you get Play-Doh, it's pretty pliable, right? Okay, so you have Play-Doh and think about all the pressures of this world, just making the Play-Doh whatever it wants it to be. You know, I'm pretty good at making a snake. That's about it. <laughs> or a ball, you know. Think about if you take that Play-Doh out, though, and you put a rock. How hard is it to conform that rock into something else? Yeah, you need an insane amount of pressure, and it probably ain't going to move. When this world, When the world's pressure comes down on you, when it's trying to change who you are, what are you more like? Are you Plato? Do you just go around every wind of doctrine and just let it mold you into who it wants you to be? Or are you a stubborn rock? Stubborn can be a good trait, believe it or not. Unfortunately, we, always, we usually display it negatively. We've got to be stubborn against the con- confirmation, if that's a word, the conforming of this world. Don't let this world shape it into who, you want, who it wants you to be. Be a rock. Because letter B, we ought to give God control. So flip over to Isaiah 64. We're going to close. Very familiar verse. We even sing this song for altar calls. Transformed. Completely different. Something you cannot become without God. Verse 8. says, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, Thou, and Thou our potter. And we all are the work of Thy hand. So likewise, how we should not be Plato, clay, in the hands of the world. That is exactly how we should be in the hands of our Father. Becoming clay in the Father's hands. You're saying you're a rock, you're a stubborn rock to this world. You're like, no, I'm not going to do what you're trying to get me to do. I'm not going to like the things that you want. I'm not going to put those things above what God wants me to do. And that battle, it's going to take place in your mind. At camp, but if you make decisions at camp, even more so when you get down off that mountaintop, you will start justifying and excusing things. You've got to be a stubborn rock to this world and say, God, I choose you. I'm going to let you transform me. I'm going to let you mold me into what you want me to be. But it's a choice. It's nothing that you can just say, God, make me what you want me to be, and then go on your life and expect him to change you. Remember what Paul said, I die daily. I'm in this world daily. I talk with God daily. Because remember, we still carry around this fat flesh. Sorry, Sam. It's still with us. It still desires to be fed. It wants to be alive. It wants to have a point in your life. Don't give it one. So you're blank. God had, God, God, God has an awesome plan for me. I want you to write me down. 
He wants to transform you. He wants to do an awesome work with you at camp this year. He wants to do an awesome work with you every single day of your life. But there is something special about getting away and being at camp and hearing God day in and day out for four straight days. Will you let him transform you? Will you let him do that work? Will you be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him for that week and let him do whatever he wants to you? Because again, he's not going to force himself onto you. You know, spiritually, that, that, that would be rape. He wants you to love him. He wants you to choose to allow him to mold you into what he wants you to be. So in closing, be a sacrificial, holy, acceptable, sanctified lump of clay in the potter's hands. I know, that's a mouthful, isn't it? And he will transform your life. And that is absolutely true. And I know that can be oversimplified, but it's, that, that's difficult to do. That is where a church like this, a support like this, camp like this, all these different things come together. Utilize the tools that you have now. It will only get harder as you grow up. Take advantage of this time. These are very difficult things. We'll be a sacrificial, holy, acceptable, sanctified lump of clay in the potter's hands. And I promise you, he will transform your life. All right, let's pray.